0: There's a lot of there's a surfeit of information. A lot of it is rubbish. That is not well. Some of it's rubbish, some of it's not, but a lot of it's not very helpful. Are we still? T- are we talking
1: about Brexit? Are we talking about coronavirus? No, coronavirus? Are we talking about when the football's going to resume? It's interesting. I went to see my parents yesterday. And How are they? they? They are in. They, they fall into the vulnerable category. They they
0: they yes. They, they are so
2: so do mine. Mine have been locked down. They are. That's it. You're not leaving.
0: They are a double risk group. My my parents, just they are um, not <laughs> listeners. So I can say this. They are both. <laughs> Well, that over, makes them a risk they're group. Both over 70, and my mum is diabetic, and my dad is pre-di- pre-diabetic, uh, so they are double risk groups, but they have decided that uh, these rules don't necessarily apply to them, and I, I've i tried to explain to That's them... That's the I,
1: belligerent I, generation.
0: Well, I think they don't have a real problem, because I've that we want the one thing I've learned in the last four days is the over-70s don't like
2: being told what to do. <laughs> the conversation that I have with my mum, who is um, a risk group in that she's over 70, um, but not... Uh, with any underlying issues mm. currently because she has had a pacemaker fitted recently which allows her to be not in the, the heart disease area I was basically talking to her said, now that's it, you're not going out just, mm. you know, shut it down for a few weeks, that's okay You're old. Is that, no, I don't want to. Well, no, you're going to have to. And I kind of got this impression that she was responding to me in the way that I responded to every instruction she gave me between the ages of about 13 to 17. Yes. And I suddenly kind of understood what it is like to be a parent of a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then immediately the conversation ends. There she was, outside, talking to all humans. Yeah,
1: licking everyone she could find. <laughs> the I love the idea that Rory is uh, that, that this coronavirus pandemic has finally made Rory realise that people over the age of seventy from Yorkshire don't like being told what <laughs> 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 to do. Who would have thought that old Yorkshire folk would be stubborn?
0: It's a it's a real turn up for the books. Uh, no, I think that is on a. I mean, yeah, you've got to kind of laugh, but. <laughs> the on a serious note that is a genuine problem there's going to be a lot there's be a lot of people in that
2: age group who are going to be like well no no thanks don't really fancy that at all and actually from this weekend that age group with those issues 12 weeks. Yep, which is a long time was hard anyway. That's.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't think anybody really, I think it's really hard to understand how hard that is going to be for all of us. My dad, as he said yesterday, has has spent the last 10 years practicing his self-isolation techniques. So I'm <laughs> relatively confident that as long as I, bu- I go and
2: buy his cigars and leave them on the doorstep, he'll be all right. <laughs> we, we already have a shop planned for um, Gemma's mum and dad. And we, we are going to leave it on the, the front door, outside the front door on the front uh, step and to just run away like we are pranksters knocking the door and then then departing. But your parents live some distance away, don't yes. they? Yes. I have no intention of being anywhere near my parents for the foreseeable do, future. Do you have a sibling? Does your brother is in London, presumably? My brother is in London, who, um, as things stand, I'm going to be staying with for a week, uh, which means Possibly that longer. if one of, one of us um, gets any symptoms, we are together for two weeks longer than we wanted to be in the first place. You're going to learn a lot
1: about yourself and each other, I would suspect. Mm. If you, uh, I, I, yeah, Much as I love my brothers,
2: I wonder whether being confined
1: in a but also being relatively small place. For being responsible for, for
2: confining them is an issue that I'm yeah. not particularly comfortable with. But how will you get food to your parents? Um, I will not be getting any food to my parents. They will, will be parents food? They will be enlisting either any number of online delivery services or alternatively friendly neighbours.
1: Okay, good. I'm actually enjoying this this part of you know, potentially having to self-isolate isolate is quite good for me because you know it's just an excuse to watch telly and potter around the house getting on with a couple of chores when the problem will be when they shut the schools which could happen any day now yeah and suddenly I'm responsible for the education of a (laughs) nine and six-year-old and I would have thought at that point I might realize that being at home because of course the football commentary industry has slowed down a little bit you could say so it's going to be difficult for me to convince my Occupied wife that she should be dealing with the education of our children. Yes, you will be parenting. Yeah, uh, the extensive. I so. found it really interesting
0: that all these people are look, putting out these lists, and it's quite nice that you know you, there's a lot of kind of outlets. I think the NYT have done it, pointing out lists of things to read about the subjects that you like. So if you're if you're a sports fan, here's some here's some books to read, here's some documentaries to watch. There's lots of people saying, "Oh, it's a chance to catch up on 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 things I've not binged yet in terms of television rather than rather than drugs," um, and sort of making the best of, of potential periods in quarantine, which is what what people should be doing psychologically. It's, it's going to be really hard. But none of it applies to someone who's got a two-year-old son. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, in, in which case, you're which desperately it, yeah. looking for new episodes of Paw Patrol that you haven't already seen.
0: Exactly. I, heard, I was listening to The Daily, another podcast, similar in scale to this one, I think. Uh, and they had Peter Goodman, who is, I think, our European business guy. I don't know what his exact title is. Very good. Anyway, they got his kids to speak first and they said oh we've had a little bit of screen time today their, their stalls obviously been shut they said, oh, we've had a bit of screen time then we went to the playground i was i was i spent most of my dog walk this morning thinking what do you think peter dudman who's a who's an impressive man means by a bit of screen time is that four or five hours is that is that does that, that may well be the way to get everyone through this to be honest it's when it's when do the, the crisis comes or the next days the crisis comes when there's not enough people in the office at Salford keys to operate (laughs) CBB's
2: somebody needs to be there (laughs) to press play this is set piece money the podcast for four friends talk football over food I'm Hugh Ferris joining me are Stephen Wyeth social distancing Rory Smith stockpiling and not Andy Hinchcliffe because he's a fatality risk Uh, that intro by the way is courtesy of one of our most prolific buffaloes Joe Highland who goes on to say this the food today is tinned fruit salad with UHT milk lattes and the football is who would make the greatest ever COVID-19 infected 11 Uh, so thanks (laughs) um, I don't I want Joe. people to think we're not taking this seriously? No, that is we the are. end. That is the end of any frivolity. Andy, by the way, sends his regards, but are not not his germs. As it turns out, he is a little unwell, but not that kind of unwell. He really does insist. And given the current situation, that he, not to mention we, thought it better for him to self-isolate from us, if not all of society. Um, He's we, not a member of our community exactly, but he is vulnerable. Uh, yeah, he is definitely yes. vulnerable. If you've got bad knees, does that make you more vulnerable? Uh, we understand that he has enough toilet roll and bread to survive because apparently that's the only things that people uh, go for in a crisis with that in mind Stephen um, has welcomed us uh, into his home and we are all keeping a sensible three to four foot from each other we have namaste on the way in nobody has touched anybody else we've not even done the elbow tap we've not even done the elbow tap and we have provided some waitrose stem ginger crumbly fudge for everybody to enjoy. Is that because we think the virus can't survive on fudge? uh, It's because it is so sugary and sweet, literally, it will kill all other things. Uh, So we are safe, do not worry. That is one thing that Waitrose has not yet uh, run out of.
0: Oh, you you ordered that online?
2: I didn't, it's actually from weeks ago. Um, And so therefore, it's virus free.
0: Um,
1: How have you opened a packet of fudge weeks ago that still has fudge in it? Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Uh, Because there was more than one package. We are are making our way through it slowly and Gemma is off sweets for Lent so that immediately slows down Uh, our consumption. Yes, Gemma's
0: traditional annual no sweet consumption at Lent.
2: No sweet consumption at Lent and that has led us to have fudge for lunch. Um, So that's the food, the football. Well, the football isn't happening. It is testament to the speed with which the coronavirus story is moving that our attempts to be timeless last week were undermined almost within 24 (laughs) hours. But that's not going to stop us making the same mistakes again. Uh, Today, is going to be a little bit more free form than usual on Setpiece Menu. Uh, We'll consider some of the thoughts that you've uh, posted on the effect of the spread of COVID-19 is having on football, some of which have uh, gone on Twitter at Setpiece Menu, others email to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. We've talked about the initial response uh, now we're going to consider the lessons that might have already been learned and then using some of our own brains and then more of those substantially clever than us to throw it forward. We return to the aforementioned Joe Highland for this particular mm. scene set. Without wanting to verge on hyperbole, could this be the catalyst that causes football to finally eat itself? Will players come back refreshed after the UK finally has a proper mid-season break? Will people realize that after a prolonged break that they don't need subpar televised games, 24/7 clickbait articles and breaking news, he says? In capital letters, will diehard fans realise that they do not have to spend so much money on football to enjoy their weekends? Will some clubs fold due to the narrow margins most run on? How many articles will there be on whether or not Pogba and Sterling go out in Chernobyl radiation suits or just paper masks? Uh, well, please bear in mind uh, that we are recording this on a day that may well provide further clarity. We're expecting at the very least for Euro 2020 to be postponed and perhaps even a date by which to end the domestic and European seasons by the end of the week. But those specificities aside, what might football from now on look like until, say, the uh, 2022 World Cup? It is time to learn some premature lessons and then not talk about it again for a while, I promise. Well, so th-
0: th- th- I've, I've thought about this far too much. In the last few days, because I, th- I personally am of the view that it's possible to care about two things at once. So, in fact, three. I care about my family's health. I care about Is that the, the he- one that you just added? Yes, that <laughs> was the one I was. It's no, going to be two without that. Well, it was because I was sort of subsuming them into 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 part into the first one, which was going to be the, the health of society. But I also care about football, and I think that's okay, and and it's it's understandable. And you know, after Robbie died, a lot of people who'd lost someone. Kept, kept sort of coming up to me and sharing their stories and it was really nice and they, they always said you know it's 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 nothing compared to what you've gone through and then they list how they sort of horrifically lost their mother or something and you would be like well I'm not really funny but it's it's similar to what I've gone through I mean it's not diminishing my own grief but like basically the same it's you can make you can you can quibble around the edges a bit but it's it's all pretty <laughs> so I was I became really conscious that people have this habit of of caveating things that don't always need to be caveated. And I've got a bit kind of frustrated in the last few days with everyone saying, well, of course we know football isn't important. And you would be like, well, do we not spend most of our time telling everyone how, how important it is? And is it not actually quite important
1: to people? Is I think not- we're learning how important it yeah. is. I think I've, I've never realised how much of a part of people's lives football can be until the last four or five days. It is, um, it's the greatest unifying
0: cultural force... Of the modern era and possibly in history, I think David Goldblatt describes that uh, described it in in his latest book, um, whose name I've forgotten. Uh, let's not plug it. not matter. Uh, <laughs> go Don't Google it. You've got time. The um, not very not very catchily he describes it as the greatest cultural phenomenon of all time, and I think that's probably right. Football is important. It's important to two people, so it's important, and it's it's okay to think it's important and to be interested in 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 how it's going to play out from here and the impact on the sport and all that. And you can think it's important at the same time as worrying about the, the global pandemic that is going to kill hundreds of thousands of people.
2: There is capacity within us to be able to... To, to care, care about two things. About two one things. is more three important... three things, Rory.
0: Three things. Uh, and you should all be caring about the health of my family. <laughs> the, and perhaps your own, I don't know. One is more important than the other, but that doesn't mean that only one thing can be important. So, if, you know, I, I just trying kind to of think if you're wandering around feeling a bit guilty, just you're wondering about whether Leeds are going to get promoted or whether Juventus will win the Serie A title... That's fine. You're, you're allowed to worry about that. That's allowed to be one of the things you worry about. There's a lot to worry about. So maybe, to an extent, don't worry about stuff you don't have to worry about.
1: But it's okay. And if even that's if you're one of the not worried, you're worried about
2: it, you can be interested.
1: Yeah. In exactly. It. And we've talked previously about the tribalistic ways in which people attach themselves to a football club or even a footballer as being a little bit crazy and extreme. Mm. But there is a, a much gentler approach to your enjoyment of football and its significance on your way of life which is perfectly acceptable within yeah. any within any society and it's completely reasonable to be bereft. When I heard that the Northwest Counties League had finally succumbed and cancelled all their fixtures 24 hours before thinking do you know what I will go and watch West Isbury and Chilton tomorrow night because that will be good fun and how, how dangerous can it be to be stood around a poorly lit field with 200 other people but Ultimately, the right decision has been reached, but that doesn't mean you're not a little bit disappointed that something you've been looking forward yeah. to is no longer going to happen. Well, but well, my, been,
2: I had a holiday, so um, I no longer have a holiday. But, it, so equally, all yeah, but it, you have loads of, holiday, you holidays, you do a lot of holidays. might so, well, have, a, so I have an, an annual amount that is suitable for somebody with a job. Twelve? I don't think that is. No, I mean, it's but like
1: if you lost one of your fingers, that would be terrible. But if you already had twelve fingers, then you could probably <laughs> yeah. do with sacrificing one or two of them, the, and it might help you look more normal. The um, but I'm down tra- to eleven,
2: I'm lopsided now. So it's
0: fair enough that you think your holiday is quite important. Like we shouldn't. I, this is completely off topic now, and is nothing to do with football. No, but it's, it even, sets us up nicely. Or even coronavirus. But it's, we've it, got weeks of content. Yeah, to get true, through. Yeah, yeah. Enough, we not.
1: Nothing is off topic.
0: Welcome to the slow burn <laughs> set piece menu podcast. The uh, we will will reach will not reach a point in six
1: weeks' time. Well, the somebody
2: somebody suggested that Chinch just read out War and Peace over the course oh. of the next few weeks, which is something that I would genuinely enjoy if he wasn't ill and therefore not here. Do
1: we need to change our name to Set Piece Grazing Menu? <laughs> yeah, all oh, nice. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: set Piece Rationing Card. <laughs> the no, I think I I, d- I just think it's it's okay to think that stuff's important to you. Like you don't, it doesn't diminish how much. You care about the world, or how worried you are about the, the sort of growing apocalypse. But now, because now, now we've
2: given ourselves the excuse, yeah, we can. We've we've for we've the next twenty it. minutes or so talk about it.
0: Oh no, that's right. I was going to say what's really interesting. The one really interesting point I think he raises, and this is something I keep thinking about now, is more even more than kind of what's going to happen with the Leeds and stuff. Football is a habit. Sport is a habit. Hmm. It provides the reason that you feel bereft even after f- sort of four or five days when you weren't expecting there to be no football. And crucially, I think in, as much as I'm dismissive of it, most dismissive of it most of the time, like football news, like there's no there's no stuff happening. At least in the summer, you do get a tournament and transfers and stuff like that and preseason tours. There's very little time without football. It, it provides the rhythm of our lives. That that y- so people who like football. Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights in spring are special and something to look forward to. That isn't the case if you don't like football. It's just a Tuesday night. It's just like, oh, it's Tuesday night. Whereas I'm thinking, well, that's Champions League. Fine. Yeah, well, I, ju- yeah. I
2: judge the changing of the seasons, if you like, or the, the approaching of summer by the kick-off times of the Champions League and when they start to happen in, in the, the, the light.
0: light. Yes, exactly. So, and equally the weekend, you know, the, there, is a, there is something missing on a Saturday afternoon. When you don't, when you, it, not even when you're at a game, but when you don't have to check your phone to find out what the straws are when there's that not not that sort of thing as someone who spends a lot of time not more than four or five hours Peter Goodman's not a, be- a better father than me <laughs> but but there's a bit of poor Patrol in my life and I don't find those episodes particularly gripping Topwin is different <laughs> Topwin has a genuine narrative arc but the what,
2: over a five minute episode they're 15 minutes oh, Hugh, are they? and they
0: are packed full of drama but you, it's quite nice having like you just check your phone just see what the straws are even if your team's not playing you, you it's kind of the rhythm of your life it's the backdrop of our existence and
2: don't say rhythm of the night because that's by corona that's true <laughs> oh yeah mm.
0: um anyway but it football is also a habit and i remember going to bury this is to give you an insight into something i'm going to write this week when i went to Berry in november yeah a couple of months after it shut down i was speaking to the staff who were still keeping it going as a kind of they're there basically for security and to cut the grass and stuff like that and uh, and they said that the in terms of Phoenix Club setting up a new team, well, the problem they were going to face was that football is a habit and once you break the habit, you don't get everybody back. So if they were worried that, in their case, that if they set up a Phoenix team that started playing in this August, after nine months without a team in Bury, you might still get 1,000 fans but you probably wouldn't keep all 2,000, 2,500 that used to go to Gid Lane because they'd suddenly have found other stuff to do on Saturdays and they'd have realised that, yeah, you'd, football is not an essential part of existence. It can be very important without being essential. And that's actually something that I think football has to face now, that we don't know how long this shutdown's going to be. It isn't the most important aspect of it. But there is a chance that when we come out of the other side, there are some people who think, actually, do you know what? It's hard to get back into that.
2: That's true. But what I would say in the, in the, the example that you've given is that, that Barry may well be resurrected in that hypothetical yeah. when the rest of football was continuing. So yeah. others might have felt that they could watch other football and therefore the emotional yeah. connection was, yeah. was, was lost. But if you're in a situation now where there's no football whatsoever, mm-hmm. could there not be, through this vacuum, a desire to re-engage with football And also in a slightly more constructive, positive way, because you come to appreciate what it is that it gives you rather than the toxic atmosphere that had been developed over the saturation of our lives, living our lives through football, which is something that has become more and more of an issue, as we've discussed many times on this podcast.
1: Well, it would be nice to think that when football can resume, that some lessons will be learned, some positives will be taken from this situation and the role of supporters within football will be reconsidered. And the, the significant part that they have to play in in the sort of organic process that is a match day is recognised and that football fans will be perhaps treated a little bit better than, than they have been, whether that's you know in terms of getting to the game, the experience of being at the game, the convenience of when games kick off, the the rhythm of the season and the expectation that you will travel hundreds of miles on a Monday night to watch a match because something that we've discovered when talking about whether or not games will be played behind closed doors, there are so many people who believe that that cannot be done because of the significance of the backdrop of supporters around the venue in terms of the theatre of of the match experience. Whereas, actually, do you know what? A lot of the time football fans are made to feel like they're an inconvenience. So that certainly needs to be something that's redressed. and, And perhaps a few weeks down the line when we're absolutely desperate for football to return it might be that we are willing to accept that it will be played behind closed doors because do you know what we will be able to watch it on our televisions we will be able to follow it on the radio and that might be enough to satisfy our fix in the short term but but once we are back up and running fully we need to recognize the monumental part that the match going fan has at every level of the game but I suppose particularly in terms of the product at the highest level.
0: Yeah I think that's right I think it's 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 shown that well, even the players and the and the managers have come yeah. out and said that they don't really want to play in front of empty stadiums because it doesn't mean anything to them. It it football exists without fans, but it doesn't ha- really have any meaning without fans there. You it's much harder to sort of parse the action and understand the significance of a moment and and I'd like to think that that perhaps and maybe maybe we're searching for silver linings in what is a pretty desperate situation and maybe that maybe it's grasping at straws. But I'd like to think that this might might give people a chance to reflect a little, and this isn't me, me saying that I'm better than anybody, I, want, I don't want to make that abundantly clear, that, and there's times when I put my support of my team ahead of, ahead of my love of football, Although I think I'm, I'm confident within myself that I, lo- I genuinely love football. It's, it's always been well, incredibly the, important the, to me. The, but
2: the, the, the way that you decide that is should your team be taken away and not exist, would you still like yeah, football? And yeah. yes, you would. So yeah. therefore, you are not doing it via your yeah. team only. It is the love of the game. Yeah. That's, that's the test. And we are in a society currently lacking in tests. Yes. So there's that's an true. easy test that we can all do. Exactly.
0: Um, but I would like to think that maybe. When football does come back, and I think there will be such a, and it will come back. I think we we should we should hang on to that certainly that it will come back. There will come a point where we play football again, where we watch football again. It would be nice to think that maybe people would, more people would fall into the camp of having realised that actually what they, one of the things they love is the game. That they still love their team, but that their team's interest and the game's interest are not the same. That that what matters is that the game goes ahead. Perhaps you maybe realise that it's only a game, and that it's not, it's it's something that adds. The icing to life, rather than the the cake itself. Um, it's not the sponge. <laughs> the I think that I think that's an excellent metaphor. Well done, me. <laughs>
2: I don't think it was overdone in any way. The, like no. the cake.
0: And I think that that could be a positive. I I keep thinking actually about the what that first game would be like. If you know the first the first 12:30 Saturday afternoon kickoff in the Premier League <laughs> when we're back, it's Palace against Burnley, <laughs> and and everyone's and it would just be so. Well, can't you work it out? Was what, what wasn't the what was the first game that was. Oh, the Saturday morning, the Saturday afternoon. I'm not sure it'll be whatever it was meant to be last Saturday. Was uh, it Arsenal Brighton? It might have been Arsenal Brighton. So
2: yeah, who's looking forward to that?
0: The, well, I, that's not. If, if I'm honest, that's not a game I'd normally watch. There's nothing on it. But now you would. They're both mid-table teams. Um, well, in fact, Brighton to get relegated, I suppose. But now, are you just be so delighted to see the green of the pitch and the? brightness of the shirts and the the happiness of the fans. And then then a few minutes later, the disgruntlement of the fans. (laughs) (laughs) absolute
2: fury. And then seven seven days at least of absolute fury on social media where everybody is uh, called every name under the sun. And what Brighton probably want to happen is for that game to not happen because, let's be honest, they're in the Karen Brady camp. Let's stop it now because they're just just above the relegation zone. Do you
0: know what? I don't think... That is so what was really surprising about those Taron Brady comments, and for anyone who doesn't know, Taron Brady, the vice chairman of West Ham chairman, yeah. came out very early and said at some point towards the end of last week. She went early. She went really <laughs> early and said that they want the season null and void. And there is the reaction was broadly, I'd say, critical. Not not necessarily the theory, does there is a case to be made that you have to avoid the season. But of the timing. Does it, you do not have to make that case yet?
2: Spectacularly self serving yeah. it
0: would seem.
2: It it was
0: If if she'd come out and said that in May, when we were staring down the barrel, when when UEFA had said, look, the season has to be finished by July the 30th, and otherwise next season is affected, and we don't want that, that's a firewall, um, and we're running out of time, I think you could probably make the case, all right, look, in this situation, if the choice is between playing 10 games in 15 days, or whatever, to try and get the season finished, which is impossible, or between taking the standings from whenever the last point was, it would have to be after 28 games, and I think Villa have only played 28, others have played 29. Taking the standings from 28 games and relegating on, the, on that basis without 10 games finished um, or voiding the season, you can definitely make a case in that situation that you have to void the season. I personally don't think that's at all satisfactory um, for various reasons, which we may or may not come, come on to, but I'm sure someone else has made them. Somewhere. I'm coming on to them. <laughs> the <laughs> uh,
2: by the way, City, Arsenal uh, also haven't, uh, have played 28 games, but, so those it, but it
0: wouldn't impact City's position at all. No, it and wouldn't. it it might make and a bit. Sheffield
1: United, of, it might add. make a bit of difference to Arsenal's position, but it wouldn't do anything particularly great. But to throw another consideration into your argument, maybe you just have to reset the season on the basis of everybody having played each other once, because at yeah. least then. 50% of the way through the season not of course that the Premier League works on that structure but others do yeah. like the Bundesliga you just be so right we'll decide what it was final game before Christmas because that's exactly halfway yeah. through the season and everyone has played every everyone else once you, you, you can't have a you can't claim to have had a season if you're midway through the second half of it and some teams have played fewer games than others yeah. and some have played tougher teams than others or you know just looking at the, the argument in the championship about saying well we'll just promote Leeds and West Brom well hang on third place Fulham have still got to play both of those clubs yeah. so things could change dramatically it just, it, the the idea that you would void the season and would even be contemplating starting another competition before you've finished others is just farcical it's, it's, it's nonsense I can't believe anybody suggested it the day after football yeah. shut down and would be considering it a month or two months it, into it, whole, it a hiatus. Be, it has to be part of the conversation, but it
0: should be the last resort. And I think, to be honest, for, for most Premier League clubs, it would be the last resort for reasons that aren't particularly sporting. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly, and I'm willing to listen to other arguments, I have come to the, as, I try, as I've tried to come to a conclusion about this, I am now very much of the view that if you want fairness, you have to finish the season. There, is, there, is, there, are, there are other outcomes, but you cannot dress them up as fair. The fair, the fair outcome as you finish the season,
2: and and it, in in terms of competition, it's fair, and the the other things that you mentioned just a moment ago, Rory, essentially are the television contracts the and the contracts. fact that the that money needs to be distributed in a way that is, um, at least fair. Well, it's really really it's weird sitting the the, the, yeah. the the fairness for broadcasting companies, but they have spent millions upon millions of pounds, so they, you want them in any situation to get what they've paid for. That is understandable, even though supporting the broadcasting companies is not necessarily something that you would normally hear football fans like doing a, like a
0: sky and bt
1: half and half scarf <laughs> exactly
2: yeah just um you know just imagine the slow slow dance at the end of the night and that's what you're but holding the, above your head but,
1: but it's not as flippant as you think it might be because the reason that they've got that money to spend is that people have subscribed yep. to those services people have invested in that advertisers have invested in that it's not just about oh well you know maybe sky should have thought about whether or not they should spend £11 million per game for a Premier League season and how they might get that back if that season wasn't finished. Well, firstly, you wouldn't even contemplate that. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the reason that the product is worth that to the broadcasters is because of how they're able to sell it on to other people. There's levels of integrity to be determined all the way through. In the same way that if you're a season ticket holder for a Premier League club, you've paid for a certain amount of games. If suddenly you weren't getting those final five or six games of your current season ticket or that one of the players from your club was suddenly playing in an international tournament mm. instead that would also be utterly balmy you know those those footballers haven't fulfilled their philosophical contractual obligation to the match going fan let alone the subscribers at yeah. home so you can't start something new i know it, it, i know that probably doesn't stand up in law but no it does it would seem strange
0: it does seem strange that the idea is that the season that hasn't started yet is is some sort of, And that, that was my initial, posi- my initial thought, was that will be the firewall. They will say that they want to kick off 2020-2021 on time, or as close to on time as possible, and they will want that to be sort of sacrosanct. But increasingly now, I, I do sort of think it's, it's weird to think that the thing that hasn't started yet, and therefore in a very real sense doesn't exist, is the thing that you have to protect at all costs. I think you, you can void the season. The problem with voiding the season, from a fairness point of view, and it is a weird term, is how is it fair that Norwich, who in most circumstances would have been relegated this season, will get another 120 million quid? That is fundamentally altering the, the, the progression of, it sounds a bit grand, but football history, it, it yeah. changes the course of the sport. Similarly, the reason one, I th- we, we think that one of the other clubs that want the season voided are Spurs. Now, presumably, this is where it gets really complicated. If you void the season, you you still have to send teams to the Champions League and the Europa League next season. And the only way, if this season didn't happen at all, would be to go on the coefficient, in which case Spurs, who are eighth, would be in the Champions League. Now, some people might say, well, look, that's, you know, fair enough, that's, that's what's going to happen. What if Spurs win it? What if, you know, what if they don't spend a load of money, does, well... But you know they've, they've suddenly got money they've to, suddenly spend, got money to so spend. They're guaranteeing themselves, and that they don't income. win the Champions League, having finished eighth the pre- previous season, and then, for, then only qualified because we decided to void the season. That is not is fundamentally unfair. But if you so take the season, as Steve says, either at the 19 Denmark, which actually has not occurred to me, and is probably fairer than anything else. does it you take the the first 19 results and you say this is the season. Um, Although even then you've still got kind of a lot of games that have happened and we've all watched and invested emotion in that suddenly didn't happen, which is odd. But if you say, right, we're voiding the season, but we're sending the top four to the Champions League, which is much, much fairer. The current current top 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 four. Which is much fairer in a kind of sporting sense. You A, then there is no reason whatsoever not to name a champion. And also, there is no reason not to
1: recognise relegation. If so, you're gonna, if so you're gonna that be, isn't a solution. If so you're if,
2: going to be setting a standard in one degree, you yeah, have to. You do have have it to there else. has to be a kind yeah. of but coherent
1: logic behind it. Which isn't voiding the season. Yeah, but even then, by extension of what you just talked about in re- relation to Spurs, well, Manchester United could turn around and say, well, hang on a second, we're actually currently riding the crest of a wave. Our, yeah. our results are improving, whilst Leicester, one of the current Champions League qualifiers, results are falling away. So it's perfectly feasible for us to consider that during the course of the final nine games of the season, we would have caught them. Yep. And then the other extension to your your point regarding Tottenham is to take the example of Leeds, who have spent, what, 15 years trying to get back into the Premier League, are suddenly on the cusp of doing so, having sorted themselves out in terms of their investment in players and bought in a coach capable of making it happen. And suddenly, if you were to say, well, we're pulling that rug away from you, yeah. well, that would be... That would, at the risk of upsetting West Brom and their, their supporters, it would be considerably more unfair on Leeds than West Brom, who've been a yo-yo club, who've gone up and down recently. So you could argue, well, hang on, you know, you've had your recent opportunities in the Premier League, you've dropped away. But Leeds have been, have been clawing away at this for a decade and a half. So you can't just say, right, forget about it, guys, try again next year, because Leeds are the perfect example of just how difficult yep. it is when you drop out of the Premier League to
0: get back in. And that's the point, that this all filters down. To every level. Yeah. So I did the radio this week with Ian Everett, the Barrow manager. He's played for Blackpool, central defender. Lovely man, very bright, very good manager by all accounts. Now, Barrow was thrown out of the football league in the 30s, I think, basically because it was too far away and have been trying to get back in. So it was when there was re-election rather than promotion
1: and re- relegation. Having been to Barrow relatively recently, I would stand by that decision. Yeah, but by the, by then the then same not. token, <laughs> Stephen, we should relegate Norwich immediately. Oh, yeah. the Not just to the championship, to
0: the National League. Just get rid of them completely. It's too f- Norwich is too far away to play football though. It's ridiculous. You may as well play football in Denmark. The, it's the same distance he's, In saying, parts, it this, takes he's longer. saying
2: this we're waiting for the smile to crack, crack, I'm crack not, across it's his face fair.
0: but it's not, it's I'm not happening not, I'm, I'm not joking it's a lovely city Norwich I love the city of Norwich but it, it what is about too, the one way system it is too <laughs> far away the pedestrianisation of the city centre now, the, um,
1: the, Can, but the, but what would help if they just moved if, if if there was some kind of agreement where they could move Norwich to make like closer to King's Lynn for example oh yeah fine then perhaps we'd, we'd allow it Steve, it's not even you might as well
2: not, say closer to Ipswich and then go the whole hog and really ruin them it's not even a case
1: of
0: Placement geographically, it's motorway connections. We're back on the motorways. Have I told you about roadworks? <laughs> anyway, but the, so if you if you say, well, look, we, if the Premier League decide we can't name a champion because it's not the season hasn't finished. Don't avoid it. Are you telling Barrow that they're not being promoted? Does that is fun, again fundamentally unfair on them? So, I, to me, having thought this through a lot, it is increasingly clear that, that unless there is, and it, this this could all be changed because my big fear is that both UEFA and the Leeds and the clubs. All fall into this trap of thinking they have to decide everything this week. They really don't. They've got as much, not got as much time as they need, but they certainly have another, another few weeks to come up with a proper solution.
1: Time is something that those of us yeah. in football yeah. have plenty
2: The current calendar is not particularly saturated yeah, yeah. And, and we are we obviously releasing this podcast in a week that the decisions may all be made. They may all be made with some sort of finality. They may all be just placeholders. Put put there to, to at least kind of have a plan to try and adhere to at some point in the future just quickly to, to go back to the broadcasters because there is a possibility if we understand that the the, the voiding of the season is really the last resort and mm. not one that is likely to take place Which I think
1: it ha- well not, not, it's not unlikely I think it has to the be the least likely it has to be the third choice yes I, I think when you, if you're talking about voiding the season I think we're talking about this situation going on for so long that we get to well we're due to start the 2021-22 yeah. season soon we shouldn't be thinking about voiding the season, oh, because this has gone on until September or October or November. There all the time that we've got an opportunity to finish the nineteen twenty season yes. before the twenty one twenty two season starts, then that is definitely should be the, the priority. sacrifices
2: should be made by those competitions that have not yet started, not the one yeah. that is still remaining yeah. to be done. But if there is if there is a compromise to be made where perhaps Uh, playing behind closed doors is possible because the players are all screened and determined that they are all fit and able to play. And there's a period of pre-season where they can get themselves fit again because they have had something of a break. And we'll come on to how that might affect the, the, the seasons to come in just a second. But if they are to be played behind closed doors, we talked about the broadcasters and about how they are due what they have paid for. Is there going to be any level of cynicism about their determination to play at least some of it behind closed doors because they will likely get huge subscription heights well, because there will be those who cannot attend but yeah. suddenly are desperate to watch?
0: Possibly, and I'm sure that that would be... that, that would form part of their thinking that if you could, in a, in a stage where... and it, shouldn't, it actually shouldn't be entirely impossible given that we've seen this week Eliaquim Mangala came out and said he'd tested positive for coronavirus along with, I think, four of the uh, Valencia players... Mm. Even though Mandala was was asymptomatic, now this isn't, for, exa- for in any way, suggesting any kind of malfeasance on behalf of Valencia, but that isn't something that's happening to the rest of society. The rest, the rest of society is not being tested if they're not showing symptoms. So I would guess that footballers, in some way, are being given tests to see if they've got it. Now it might be that Ezekiel Durai had tested positive, so it might be that they've then on tested contact traced and what have you. So it may be the case that by June, July, whenever. That, mu- that either a lot of players have had it and been through it or that they think they've got sufficient testing in place to basically say we can test the players to make sure they are not playing with it in which case there is no risk so we can play behind closed doors.
2: Or, or just be able to train or get be able everybody to train and, the and the then you can start to building to build towards pre
0: seasons They will need a bit of a pre-season. They won't need a holiday but they'll need a pre-season. From the broadcasting point of view I think that's legitimate because the the problem that the broadcasters have and let's take the British ones just because we can't list them all but sky and bt if this goes on for a month will probably be all right for subscribers you're not going to cancel if you think football's coming back in at the start of may you're probably not going to cancel your subscriptions it's a bit of a pain it's a bit of a pain in the arse to do it if it gets to like june july people will start thinking do you know especially just jobs are going to go business is in a struggle i've paid
2: what 120 quid or something for nothing yeah,
0: so maybe... there's no other sport. No, there's no other sport. There's no reason to have those packages. So there will be a, a, sh- a massive financial shortfall at some point from Sky from, and BT for subscribers, but also from advertisers, because mm-hmm. they'll fill the airtime, but it's not nearly as valuable as, it would as live sport is. So there will be a, a, an economic cost to Sky and BT and the various other ones around the world that is not insignificant. It's not as important as people's health, but it is still significant. Just as all of the economic damage that the lockdowns are going to do is not as important as people's health, but it's still extremely significant and comes at a human cost. Because when economies collapse, people die and people suffer. So it's not like you can pretend. It, you saw it a lot in the first few days of the, the especially in Britain. The Tories are prioritising the economy. Now you shouldn't prioritise the economy, but you should certainly consider it because it that that translates to how people live their lives and if. In some cases, how people live their lives—if people live their lives—so um, it may be that, yeah, if the, if the broadcasters in this situation were to think, you know, if we play it behind those doors, we get bigger figures. There's probably a case that that's what that that's that's not a bad kind of quid pro quo, almost. That they've suffered; they will have suffered. And it's—it's it's hard. I don't have my Sky BT half an hour scarf on, but they've a—they've paid for something. A lot of that money is paid up front and will have already been committed by the clubs, so they can't give it back. Um, the lead, I don't think, would have the resources I don't think the Premier League would have cash resources to pay back part of the contract. They'll have a bit, but they, they don't have hundreds of millions of pounds sitting idle. I don't think. Similarly, UEFA don't have hundreds of millions of pounds sitting idle for the Champions League in the Europa League. They do make a lot of money,
1: but most of it goes out in prize money. So although both UEFA and FIFA are, are fairly cash-rich organisations <coughs> compared, probably to by comparison Individual to league. national associations.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. And UEFA may have look in terms of the Champions League and Europa League this season, if. The various broadcasting contracts aren't fulfilled, so they decide they have to con- they have to cancel it, and that is an easier competition to cancel than a domestic league because no one has won that or rele- been relegated
1: or and you can you, it, it, and next year's can just exist yes, normally. It, it can yeah. exist
2: in any time frame,
1: yeah. and and there would be I would imagine there would be ways that say you were a season ticket holder for a Premier League club that you would be able to access that club's games exclusively when they were yeah. on. Sky or BT, whether that, like Now TV, for example, where you can get a weekend pass, one assumes that clubs would be able to distribute codes to their season ticket yeah. holders that would enable them to watch their game that weekend or have the pass for that weekend. Come on, everybody's got to start compromising a little bit. We're no longer existing in the the perfect system under which football believes it has been operating. Everybody somewhere along the line is going to have to compromise. We talked last week about how that starts with UEFA delaying at least, if not cancelling, the European Championships so that to give national associations that flexibility, well, that will have to then start filtering down through all facets of the game to enable people, if it is to be played behind closed doors, to still, you know, absorb those games uh, in in one way or another, if they can't go to the stadium, at least make them make them give them the opportunity to watch it on television without there being an additional cost to that, that they've already yeah. made in terms it, of their tickets or their season said, you can, you, uh, That's a perfectly valid point. I don't disagree with it at all. But you can make a case
0: that if football resumes before the rest of the country does, or whilst while bits of the country are still in lockdown, or in even if individuals are still in lockdown. You can make a case that actually there's almost a social... Risk. Again, this is maybe inflating the the importance of football, but you can make a case that it's actually beneficial if, if you put it on free-to-air, either because you give it to the BBC or ITV in this country or because you say to Sky and BT, you have to make this available on YouTube because we need people... We don't want... We saw at PSG in Valencia that yeah, yeah. you can't have fans around to the stadium. You need to minimise that, that that risk. It's very hard in a Western democracy to force people... Not, we're not going to bolt people's doors shut. That's not, that isn't on the table. That's not an option, I don't think. Um, you, you need to kind of incentivise people to stay at home. And one way to do that would be to say, look, we're playing this football behind closed doors. You will be able to watch it. Yeah. But I agree that then means but refunding it, season tickets. But
2: it, has to, it has to have a commercial element for, for Sky and BT. They won't give it to BBC and ITV because there is, that, there, there is not enough goodwill. But they can put it on YouTube where they can then sell advertising yeah. for that live space on or, YouTube you
0: um, you give Sky and BT their usual slots yeah. and then th- there's potentially five, six games a weekend that wouldn't have been televised every weekend. So maybe those ones are free to air at a different time.
2: Or you can, you can make Sky or BT free to air and therefore the, yes. incre- yeah. the incredible ability for them to sell advertising at a much higher rate because you've got more eyeballs yeah, on maybe it. it will well, then obviously give yeah. them earn money. But
1: those games that aren't televised in the UK are available to television audiences around the yeah. world. Yeah. So they they are... They are filmed as though they are being televised and there'd be no reason why you couldn't make Burnley versus Brighton, which wasn't a TV pick, suddenly available for fans of Burnley versus Brighton. Brighton. But I I totally agree with the point you made about the, and I've thought of it myself, about the idea that football could emerge from this crisis before the general population on the basis that, you know, if any one of us three was to call our local GP with what Mm. we believed to be COVID-19 symptoms the chances are no one would ask you know would suggest we came in for a test they advise we self-isolated that we stayed at home for 14 days and that we would only you know go to hospital if we as our, our, our symptoms worsened mm-hmm. whereas obviously if you're a professional footballer with the strength of the medical facilities that top flight clubs have at their disposal the minute that you show any sort of in fact you probably don't even need to have shown symptoms they will but they will have been testing regularly from the moment and they would have had the facilities the ability the club doctor could deal with that much more easily than our local GP could do if suddenly you know a load of guys in their 30s and 40s were complaining of having the symptoms so football has this opportunity and has already sort of self-isolated to a certain extent to come out of this situation a lot quicker than we will do yeah. collectively it's, and, and it's get it, on with the... the problem is it's a controlled it, environment the, and yes, that, that yeah, helps. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But the, the, the suppression rather than the delaying, which is now the, the governmental advices or the governmental policies to t- try and suppress this peak, it may well mean that as everybody comes out the other side of it, having been isolated it could be that COVID-19 is still there and we are all susceptible to getting it again and it could be that there's another, another spreading. And that that if Just taking football as an isolated case, if you'll pardon the pun, um, taking them as an isolated case, as, uh, people who can be suppressed, can have the, yeah. the d- disease controlled, immobile, they, they come out in the back of that and then suddenly they're all, they're all susceptible to yeah. it again and they could yeah. be yeah. infected. But it,
1: it's something else that you said along those lines, the, the idea that perhaps football could tr- could a lot more easily than most other walks of life remain relatively sterile. Again, it's is gonna be about making compromises, about mm. looking looking for solutions rather than problems. Sorry, do you want to move on? Yes. Why Just tell me to shut up then.
2: Well, that's what my hand gestures that I do in, just this, give it, in this you're audio you're medium to not make it clear to everybody that a, I need to move on. A double
1: know. a Fonz thumbs up. Double Fonz thumbs up. Is, that's
2: an excellent point, Steve. Let's make it the last one. That's the, the, what the sign what for moving on. I, I love I mean. it. No, I know. I just wanted you to complete it with great finality and conviction. We need to look for solutions, Right. Okay. Let's spend the next couple of minutes doing some nuts and bolts. Matthew Radcliffe said this on Twitter hi there's been a bunch of journalists talking about how difficult it would be to sort out the European football calendar why not do it for a pod well kind of uh, take a start date of June the 16th or we might say a little bit later maybe the beginning of July no
0: let's say June the 17th it's my birthday All oh, yes.
2: right, okay let's start with Rory's birthday you have to get know.
1: we'll get him a <laughs> ticket for <laughs> Arsenal Brighton the grand
2: because the <laughs> by then
1: you won't be able to you, might, you no won't one will be able so afford. enthusiastic
2: about football <laughs> the way
1: that people have had to tighten belts and spread the cost of things no one's going to be able to afford to go to the Emirates by the That's middle true, of June yeah, yeah.
2: the grand reopening of of all football will be called Rory Smith Day um, so Matthew would like us to take the start date of June the 16th we're going to make it June the 17th you have to get through to the Winter World Cup in 2022 what stays what goes and Andrew Hindle in Melbourne has emailed a plan which might get us started on that road it assumes that no leagues can be completed before the summer which is I think what we yeah. pretty much all agree will happen he says Premier League winners Liverpool few could argue this would be in the outcome uh, now Champions League places numbers 2 and 3 after Liverpool Manchester City, pending the UEFA ban outcome, and Leicester, he says. He is decreeing that this is what uh, should happen. If the ban is upheld for Manchester City, then Chelsea take that other spot. Then the final Champions League space, uh, place will be decided via playoff games in a championship format between Chelsea, Manchester United and Sheffield United. And Arsenal are included ahead of Spurs on a higher points per game uh, ratio if Manchester City ban is upheld. Then the eliminated three teams from that playoff take the Europa League places. Relegation, he says, given the financial implications of relegation, number of teams implicated, and in terrible spectacle of viewing these teams play off. No teams are relegated, <laughs> says Andrew. However, promotion, three teams are promoted. Playoff to be played for third spot as normal. Leeds and West Brom secure places now based on the current standing. Uh, I say, as a little note, bear with him on this. Uh, the FA Cup is played out only if time allows, otherwise City remain holders as per Portsmouth during World War II. The Champions League and Europa League played out as a priority over domestic cups if league associations agree, played in place of Euros at the time that any sort of res- uh, resumption of football takes place. Copper America, he says, to be played twice, once during June and then in July for the benefit of Rory. <laughs> Teams wishing to undertake a pre-season tour could compete in that, but not win Eurovision style, he says. Uh, transfer window runs from May the 1st to July the 31st to provide football writers with work and great joy in the quieter months, um, he says. Then moving on, leagues 2020 to 21, expanded competition. You know, I asked you to bear with us about the fact that. Pr- promoted mm-hmm. teams go up and relegated teams don't go down hopefully beginning two weeks prior or slightly earlier in late July will include all of the 2019-20 season teams plus the promoted teams that's a 44 game season that will help to compensate clubs for lost gate receipts Ooh, okay. in the previous season four teams are relegated each season over the following three or you could relegate five in the first season to reduce time taken to return to current format and then right at the end he says League Cup to be played with teams with the championship down only and provided with additional prize money to help compensate lower league clubs. For lost revenue, so that is a plan, courtesy of Andrew Hindle and many others. Have speculated thereupon.
0: There's, there's some good ideas in there, and I think we, we obviously don't know the outcome of these meetings this week. We're assuming that there'll be placeholders, and it, apart from the postponement of Euro twenty twenty, but I do think that what I'd really like, what I'd really like from those meetings, is at least to know that the various stakeholders, the people who hold the states. Have thought so up the vampires not the vampires their enemies yes they, they, the garlic wielding stakeholders are, are thinking about solutions that are that creative and I, that I'm not sure that would work but I, I, one of the big problems will be if they go into those meetings and think well we've got to do this by this date and what about this and what about, we've got to have the lead cup, the lead cup Quarterfinals have to be played in the second week of December. That's yes. crucial.
2: Determining things that have no yeah. determination whatsoever. The,
0: all of this, UEFA have, have briefed fairly extensively, everything's on the table, and that's exactly what they should be saying. The problem will be that the stakeholders might look at it and think, well, everything's on the table apart from my bit, which is very much in my lap, and I'm eating it there. <laughs> and and that, that will be when you run into problems, and that's when you might have to come into kind of thinking about cancelling seasons, voiding seasons, whatever. We have time to play with there is no there on there is no it's not like in the Bible that the football season has to start on august the thirteenth that's not a thing it's just it's it's a kind of cultural norm and because this has been such a radical change, which is remarkable really in the space of the last week since we we're in your house talking about it the the shift in it does feel like we it is a different world um I think that if you go into it thinking, right, actually, do you know what, we can fundamentally remate the season. We can do lots of things that we wouldn't normally consider. But then there is a way out. If you go into it thinking everything has to function exactly as it always functions, just on different dates, then you don't have a real problem.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think anybody, well, I, I would hope that by this stage, given how fast moving it is, that people are already coming around to the idea that this is approaching a blank slate, apart from the fact that there is genuinely a shift to be sorted out for the World Cup in 2022. So, shall we not... There are a number of people who who have Mm. said, shall we not use that that as... At actually, as a, that's the firewall that the, you spoke yeah, about and, at the beginning and of the and season. Can makes, we not use that as an advantage yes. to start to shift what our expectations were for just 2022 back a year, back maybe even 18 months to the end of this year? Well, actually, it was because November, two years to the end of this year and start to make the changes which actually make the process of getting to that competition Easy. a little smoother. Because
1: yeah. yeah. it's only two and a half years away, which is well within the confines of what would be considered a football cycle. Yep. So yeah, absolutely we we should be thinking along those terms that once we get the opportunity to finish this season then start thinking about when you start the next one as to how that might buffer up against the World Cup in 2022. Couple of things to go back to regarding Andrew's suggestions. Again, I think we need to move away from the red lines. Like, for example, the idea that... What, Rory's
2: ha- birthday? No, no. Well, the, that the, that, that is, the, is a hard red line. That's,
1: that's, that's a, hard, that is a
2: firewall that is burning that's, brightly.
1: That's a Theresa May Brexit negotiations red line that is not to be erased.
0: Self-destructive.
1: <laughs> yeah, your birthday is the <laughs> self destruct <and> button. <laughs> <laughs> eventually move <moveable. Yeah. laughs> on. Your, your birthday could financially be the self destruct button for all of us if we have to, have to get you... Well, actually, do you on. know what,
0: My birthday, because I, I spend most of them away of tournaments, my birthday is a is an occasion of great domestic tension. So in that that ways, in in many ways, it is a bit like Brexit.
2: So maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> and also, unlike Brexit, it, uh, it might be resolved <laughs> to a satisfactory outcome for no, you. Not really. <laughs> but a, a couple of
1: things. So. What, we don't have to have a. People are going to have to compromise. I said this already. So maybe we don't have. Maybe this now is the time to say we don't need two domestic cup competitions. Yeah. Even for, are, d- for just two years, it can n- come back in 2023. If, yeah, it's not if, coming back. If, if it's, <laughs> it, once it's gone, it's not coming back. But that you could review it, but say you know, if you're a domestic league currently running two domestic cup competitions, now might be the time to say right, we're going to have to sacrifice one of those because we're going yeah. to having to squeeze things in. If you're the Champions League, yes, it was a lovely idea to spread the round of 16 across four weeks so that games got as much exposure yeah. as possible. But that generates inflexibility. So do you know what? We can't do that anymore. Have a look at whether they, you stagger the kickoff times, but you've got to squeeze it into a fortnight rather than across yeah. two separate fortnights. You can't have 32 teams going through to the knockout stages of the Europa yeah, League. There's that, absolutely yeah. well, no the, Those two
2: things can happen hand in hand. Yeah. Right? In fact, they need to happen hand in hand. That's Just what the would,
1: weeks. That would create... Flexibility at the start of the second half of the season, wherever within the calendar that might prove to be, and no, no winter
2: break. You can't afford any winter break. <laughs> well, if we if we, that's we one, shift to well, if, we, if well, we shift
1: to a summer season, we wouldn't be talking about winter. We, we might be talking about having to take time off because in order since it's too hot. Oh, yeah, but then equally. We play international tournaments during the summer, yeah. so you, you it would be difficult to say, Oh yeah, but it's too hot to play football. Yeah. Well no you just move the kickoff times to the evening because we play our major tournaments at the height of summer. Yeah. So everyone, hang on yeah. a second. If it's if it's doable then when you've got to play twice in a week, sometimes even more often than that in the latter stages of a major tournament, you can do it domestically when you can all kick off in the evening. And this idea that you would increase the size of divisions, I think we'd have to say, hang on a second, you are potentially creating another problem. You're mm. creating congestion by having a 22-team Premier League. I'm staggered that it's even being talked about in Germany where they're a little bit smug about the fact they only have 18 teams yeah. in the Bundesliga because all oh, that gives us a couple of extra mid-weeks off. It enables us to have a four or five week winter break they call a week in which they play three times the english week yeah. because they're so sneering about it so the idea that uh, was being muted i think in, i think it was in kicker where they were talking about having a 22 team bundesliga next season as being a possible solution that seems extraordinary. You need fewer games to squeeze it in, not yeah, We're, not we're more. trying to find ways of saying, do you know what? If one thing that we can learn from this is that football needs more flexibility more in slack. terms of its cal- calendar and it also needs needs more flexibility in terms of its finances because as we talked about last week if you are constantly living from one match day to the next in terms of your finances and something comes along to disrupt that it exposes the farce of the amount of money that goes needlessly out of the game as being something that needs to be resolved I'm giving, uh, th- giving Steve a dumb, Yeah, dumb you, a you want to shut up it down, don't you f- 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 the, a f- a do you funds? know what no, that was just that was just an appreciation I don't I've, even want to move on I've, I've, I now understand why I never hear him say sorry
0: the <laughs> I, the, the Qatar World Cup thing was first brought up as soon as games started being called, being called off in like Italy and Germany and Spain and at the time I was a bit kind of dismissive of mm, that's a bit stupid it's a bit ambitious and I still think it's too it's too clever a thing to do almost for UEFA and the various stakeholders to actually get there
2: because it means it, it, it requires means, too much it uh, requires lateral, lateral
0: thought yes. but I think there is an argument to say and this is probably where I land at this point this week. And it might be that I've changed my mind in a week. And I reserve the right to do that. It's my birthday that we're starting the season on. <laughs> the, I think there is an argument to say that you finish this season. Because you only have to expand the leads if you don't finish the season. If you finish the season, everything's normal. So that, that solves that problem. You start the season, even actually, do you know, even to give yourself plenty of time, you finish this season from September onwards. And you say, right, we've got eight weeks of football to play. You could play the rest of the Champions League at the end of that. You could play at during. It doesn't really matter. Um, by that stage you'd like to think we would be out of the the peak We'd be the virus would be manageable and that, that obviously as we've said a million times now has to be the priority that you can't resume football until the countries are in some way in a state to kind of receive the football and that's really important
1: and probably football would need to resume at pretty much the same time in each country-ish which is by no means a guarantee, No, guarantee exactly but you, you could have a little bit of a stagger but it would be very, very difficult to have a situation where you know England, right? All right, we're okay, we're, we're sorted. We believe that we can resume, and Italy and Spain would still be four weeks away from yeah. that, and Germany perhaps a fortnight away. There'd have to be some coordination yeah. in terms of well, there's, there's a wind. We're gonna, we've created a window in which seasons can start and hopefully finish, but everybody needs to be able to operate within that window. And by the
0: time you've done that. You you get you get to, the, to sort of November December at which point you say right actually do you know what now we're going to hold the Euros because there is an Afcon in January 2021 anyway so you have an international break there and equally Africa's thankfully not been particularly affected by this yet but although I think the cases are starting to mount there but there, it makes no sense whatsoever even in the world of football scheduling to say well we, we need a, a window for one international tournament but we need a completely separate window. Yeah, yeah. For another inter- international tournament. Could, so you, you,
2: could you have a Copa America there as you'd, well?
0: You'd probably pl- end up playing the Copper America this summer, January, and next summer, just I, in case. Got,
1: which cop- would you move the June Copper America no, or the, the July Copper yeah. America to January? <laughs> the, I mean, they're, they're, that's going to be really difficult for them to agree on. So then
0: you effectively—I mean, you could even—I wonder if you could even persuade Aftron to play that in December rather than than in January. You then have January off, and you do what, they, what a lot of the leads do in places like Russia and the Ukraine, or certainly did. Um, and in Northern Europe. And you say, right, we're going to play Feb- February to November. Because by that stage, it's 2021. The Qatar World Cup is next year. You only have to do it twice. So you only have to well, do it twice. Depending so on
2: what happens in 2023. Y- you obviously. then
0: play. You, play the York- you have an international window of, say, two months between December and January to play all those tournaments. You then have a full season, 2021. So the broadcast contracts aren't broken. You might need to take a bit of time off in August in certain countries when it's really baking hot. Because, you know, Serie A doesn't kick off till September, does the weather. Um or you could just play in the evening. And as you yeah, say, yeah. We, we play in July. It's hot in Italy in July. We've had World Cups in Italy in July. Um, the, we've had World Cups in hotter places than Italy in July. If anyone, if anyone was in Sochi in 2018, I mean, the heat there was absolutely extraordinary. Um, so you play February to November 2021. You play February to November 2022 up to the Tatar World Cup. That gets everything in line. You get all of the seasons finished. There are as many seasons as there would have been other- otherwise. And you don't have that weird break in the middle of the 2022-2023 season where you have to have a World Cup in the middle of the season. The problem with that plan is what do you do in 2023? Do you stick to February-November because that's what people have got used to? Because after two years, I think they would have done. They would have started to think, well, this is what football looks like now. That's fine. And there's an argument you, you, you could do that. It's not, it's not disastrous. Or do you schedule some sort of tournament at some point to break it up, to, to flip you back into... The into the summer calendar, the summer to spring calendar. Do you play half a season?
2: Women's Super League did a spring series in order to line up the other way around Yeah, so yeah, to line up back into a um,
0: maybe you you come up with some sort of some sort of who knows European Super League for six months to to play a tournament after the World Cup, in which case you kind of realign it and say right, we've got a six month tournament here, and then from summer 2023 onwards, we're back summer to spring, everything's normal again. That does, that, that there'll, there'll be people who will be able to listen to me speaking and think, A, what an idiot, and B, that doesn't work because of this, this, and this, and this. And I'm sure that those flaws are all valid and genuine, but there is not a way out of this where you can't say, that doesn't work because of this. And we have to start looking at things in terms of how they might work yes. rather than why F- they won't.
2: Flaws yeah. are no longer what flaws used yeah. to be.
1: Yeah, there's all sorts of things like players' contracts expiring in June. Well, that's not an insurmountable problem. You're yeah. not saying it's not a problem, But you either need to find a way of extending those contracts or proceed with the players you still have under contract. This situation is not perfect. You know, you sort of jokingly, flippantly said you can't play ten games in fifteen days. Would you know? We might need to find a way of playing more frequently, and accept that that's why you've got big squads. And do you know what? Sorry, you're you're going to have to manage your resources because. Getting this season finished so we can start considering how we are going to start again is more important than you having your star player available for every single game that you want them to yeah. play. Do you know what? You might just have to think carefully about which ones they're going to play, which ones they're going to miss. And even
0: even lower down the leads, teams have squads yeah. and teams have youth teams. And it might be that, yeah, I mean, 10 and 15 is maybe excessive, but if you said you have to get the season finished in a month, you've got nine games to play and 30 days to do it. That's playing less than every three days, so that 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 certainly shouldn't be impossible, if if it comes to that. But if equally, if you think laterally enough and basically say we're not going to be out of this situation until midsummer at the earliest, and the teams will need to train to get ready for, the, for whatever comes next, whether that's the 2020-21 season or whether that's the end of this season, you'll, you'd probably need three weeks a month to do that. You you can buy yourself even more time by saying well we're just going to finish. The 2020 season will finish in 2020. Whatever happens, our deadline for the 2020 season is the end of 2020.
1: We are not going to be able to finish the current season under the structure that we started it. Do you know what? Tottenham are going to get to finish the season very probably with Harry Kane and Huang Min Son available, which they probably wouldn't have if the season was finishing at the beginning of May. Do you know what? Some people might benefit from this. Swings and, it's and exactly indeed roundabouts. In, in fact,
2: that makes me start thinking about whether this is an entirely Jose Mourinho conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is something that many people uh, will subscribe to. Um, so, we are now going to put the coronavirus issue to one side. Uh, and attempt to return to our truly timeless subjects. Our hot pod content will continue to arrive on your podcast feed and over the next couple of weeks we'll bring you a two-parter on the nature of the footballing conversation between fans and also between fans and the media. So football has stopped, but Set Piece Menu will not. They are, we should warn you, pre-recorded mm-hmm. and have been prior to any coronavirus news uh, being not only out there, but also changing rapidly. There will be no reference whatsoever. Ima- to imagine any them global pandemic.
0: As little time capsules from a more innocent world.
2: <laughs> yes, when we were all together and nobody was coughing. Keep your correspondence coming to setpiecemenu at gmail.com in the uh, intervening time. Clearly, it'll be a while before we get to them, but still, we do very much appreciate everything that you send to us. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Stephen. And to Rory, and to you all for listening. Stay well, everyone, and we'll be back with another set piece Many of you to enjoy very soon indeed. I am going to make
1: you something to eat, by the way. We're not just surviving on fudge and Kit Kats. Yeah, thank you very That's much. That's a relief. I might go, I've, I've been Googling I've Kit rationing, rep, rationing recipes. I'm wondering whether we should do something, you know, of a sort of post-World War II theme. I've Somebody some, get me some corned yeah, beef I've hash. Got some beef. We, <laughs> See,
0: I was, like, I, I was like it when no, I hate corn beef. When um, I was like it when people say, "Oh, you know, you think about th- we survived rationing, and we can survive this." And you think, well, if you look at the pictures from supermarkets, that's why they had rationing books because that's what happens. Yeah. People aren't worse now; they're exactly the same. They've just got more shops to do it in. So maybe, maybe we will. We will at some point have to revert to what we're given rather than what we want.
2: And little did all the Brexiteers realise that when they were invoking us managing to get through World War II and surely we should be able to surmount the inescapable issues of leaving the EU, um, that actually, a number of months later, it's um, going to be a test that this nation and many more go through pretty soon. Yeah. And we're
1: about to discover over the next couple of weeks that we are considerably better at crisis planning than our governments and sporting governing bodies.
0: How so? Well, because
1: we've, we've pre recorded wonderful, wonderful pod content ready to roll. Who'd have
0: thought that putting out a podcast would be easier than managing a global pandemic? I
1: know, it's crazy, but it is a